Hi, and welcome to The Palette, the podcast about language learning and teacher training. My name's Becky, and today I'm going to be interviewing teacher trainers and authors Richard Chin and Danny Norrington-Davis about their new book, Working with Emergent Language. Hi, so I'm Becky and I'm here with Richard Chin and Danny Norrington-Davis who have been working on their book, Working with Emergent Language. And we're going to discuss that today, the theme of emergent language, the book. Uh, So could you both please introduce yourselves, um, who you are, a little bit about perhaps your current role and also your history with emergent language. Um, Richard, can we start with you? Okay, so uh, my name is Richard Chin and I'm a teacher and teacher educator. I have worked at International House London for the last nearly 12 years now. Um, And I'm also a teaching associate teaching on the MA and BA programmes at King's College London. Um, My interest in emergent language goes back quite a long way, uh, really, I think, to um, probably... um, before I became a teacher trainer, so when I was working in the classroom and um, I remember hearing the term emergent language by uh, Luke Meddings uh, in a talk that I went to, but I still didn't really understand it until I started questioning what I was doing in class. So obviously I think we can talk a little bit later about uh, what emergent language actually is, but my interest goes back quite a long way, um, like Danny's, and I did my uh, master's dissertation research uh, into helping teachers develop their ability to work with emergent language on Delta courses. Fantastic. So this is nothing new to you. You're incredibly familiar <laughs> in the field. It sounds. It's something you spend a lot of time thinking about and talking to people about. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and Danny, over to you. Uh, lots of the same things. Hi, my name's Danny. Um, yeah, teacher and teacher trainer at International House London. I've been there about uh, 14 years. Um um, working a, a, as a trainer and a teacher, so uh, courses. I, I used to work at King's as well. Um, my, like Richard, emergent lang- interest in emergent language going back years and years. Um, first really sort of hearing it about it at conferences um, back right at the sort of end of the end of the noughties, really, late noughties, and, and just being really intrigued by what people were saying, and but also kind of thinking, oh, that sounds kind of like what I do a lot of the time, and and um, I don't think I was ever really sort of totally focused on, okay, I'm really into emergent language. But when I look back at sort of conference talks I was doing, it was a theme running through my work for really about 12 years now. So, yeah, it, it's a sort of a crept up on me mm. interest, I think. It was like, oh, I didn't realise I was that interested in it. Um, and then, yeah, a sort of stealthy, a stealthy it's definitely interest. Definitely the same for me as well. I'd agree with Danny. <laughs> stealthy I like that brilliant oh well with your combined experience this promises to be uh, an interesting conversation then so my first question which Richard um, touched on already is can you between the two of you explain to me in perhaps simple introductory terms what is mm-hmm. emergent language and with some examples of mm-hmm. how it might arise and what this actually means to you yeah, so if I, I can give a quick definition, Rich, you could give some examples maybe. Uh, we talk about it as being unplanned language. So it's something unplanned that's produced by learners during a um, 
during interactions, meaning focus interactions. So when students are talking, when they're doing tasks, when they're interacting with the teacher, it's the unplanned language that comes up. It's it's not part of the lesson plan. It's not coming out of a gap fill or a text-focused activity. Um, it could be language learners notice in a text and think, oh, that's interesting. Um, but it, it's 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 very unplanned. It's then explored as well through teacher reformulations, uh, clarifications, things like that. A lot of people think emergent language is just error, but it's not just error. It's also things that learners are interested in talking about, language that learners use that the teacher thinks is interesting. And it can also be language that the teacher thinks, oh, I'm going to give you another way of saying that, or here are some alternatives to that, the phrase you're using. Um, but more than anything else, it's it's unplanned language coming out of interaction. Do you want to give some examples, Rich? Or? Uh, I haven't got any in front of me, but uh, off the top of my head, I mean, as Danny said, it's not, it's not just... Um, about errors. I mean, errors could be emergent language, but certainly when there's moments of communicative, um, where there's a breakdown in the communication. So for example, um, I was watching a, a lesson recently and um, it was a Delta trainee uh, teaching a lesson and she was talking to the students at the beginning and they're pre-intermediate, quite low level. And uh, she said, what did you do this morning to the group? And uh, student was struggling to say what he wanted to say. He said, I, I water the um, said, the garden. <laughs> uh, no, no, no garden, not gardens. So the students are shouting, uh, balcony. And, and he says, no, no, not that. And there was a very specific word he wanted to say that he got a window box, but he didn't have this piece of vocabulary. So the teacher then went, oh, you mean window box? He showed a picture on, on Google and then gave him the word. I mean, that's a word that you wouldn't normally teach. And why would you? It's very low frequency. But certainly in that moment, the learner wanted that. Mm, but it yeah. could also be moments in a, in a lesson, for example, you know, when a piece of, of, of grammar pops up um, that, you know, that, that suddenly the students are not using, let's say, a present perfect form and they're just using the past simple where you can see, you can, you can show them another way of saying this is a more um, effective way of saying this for what you want to say is this. Okay, very interesting. So... Uh, what I'm gathering is emergent language is very organic. Would that be fair to say? Something that is arising very naturally. Okay, and now it's all tying together with the cover of your book, with the, the sprouting plant. It's all making a lot of sense now. Um, okay, fantastic. So leading on to my next question, how does emergent language compare to and interact with the planned language that a teacher has in the classroom? All right, I, I can go first, Danny, and then you can give a, a few examples as well. But um, I suppose, you know, we, we can make a distinction between the target language that we're going to teach, which is the language that's in your course book or on the syllabus, the bit that you want the learners to work away with, uh, walk away with at the end of uh, the lesson having studied, but the emergent language is what is unplanned, as we said before. So emergent language can come anywhere in a lesson. Um, the, the lesson I described before where the, the learner was having a problem trying to explain, uh, say, the word window box was the, big, the lead, the lead in of the lesson. So often when we're talking about things at the beginning of a class, um, that might be where things emerge, where there's free, free discussion about things. It could be when we finish reading a text and we're responding to the text, you know, and the students are discussing <clears throat> whether they 
what their their personal feelings are about the text that they've listened to or or read. Uh, emergent language can come up here, or it could be if we're doing a productive task, even with target language at the end of a lesson. Uh, emergent language can still come up if learners are able to uh, use language um, creatively and communicatively, then language, will, they will reach the limits of what they can do. And when they reach those limits, they're ready for the teacher to provide them with some uh, useful language uh, in order to help move them on developmentally or to help bridge the gap uh, from where they're at at that moment in time. Anything to add, Danny? Yeah, I think I think when we think about target language, what we have to be careful of is in a lesson is that everything isn't too focused on the target language so that there's space for things to emerge as well. So I sort of imagine if you're teaching something like Present Perfect, the student's doing a gap fill and, and they're, they're writing things, you know, have you ever blank um, a strange food? And they've got to think of tried in the in the past participle but then in the when you follow up as a question you might say oh, has anyone ever tried any strange food and a student says yes i tried uh pulpo how do you say this and you're oh you mean octopus what was it like oh it's very um oh i don't know and they kind of mind squishy um so the the language that so that you you kind of are doing the feedback on their use of a form but through follow-up questions and and by giving them opportunities to say what they want to say, you get these little emergent language moments. So they're using the present perfect because that's your lesson aim, but octopus and squishy, uh, chewy, whatever, um, are, are the words that kind of emerge from the interaction. Okay, fantastic. So might be completely irrelevant to the actual topic of the lesson, might be perfectly relevant, but because of the natural, organic nature of emergent language, it will just arise when it arises. Mm. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. But also it could be the type of approach that you take to your lesson design. So, you know, if you have, for example, you're doing a task-based lesson, you know, a more mm. deep end-based task-based lesson, um, then it's very much based on all around emergent language. Or if you're doing a conversationally driven lesson, like a dogma lesson, then it's all going to be about emergent language mm. rather than any planned language. So, you know, it depends on the approach you take. If you take a more organic, communicatively focused um, approach, then it, it will generate more emergent language. But as Danny said before, you can certainly, through a lesson, emergent language can sit quite happily next to target language. It doesn't have to be something separate. And often what you find, um, we found teachers saying is things like, oh, I thought it was just a throwaway, the emergent language. But often the emergent language is the bit where the students suddenly become very interested. Mm -hmm. And they have these things that we call notebook moments that my, my colleague Melissa calls notebook moments, where you suddenly notice that the students all put their head down and start writing down the word or the phrase or the chunk that you've put up on the board. Um, so, you know, I, I, the idea that, that emergent language is something special or, or different uh, is something we kind of want to dispel because it's a really natural part of the language learning process if you're learning any language anyway but certainly a natural part of what teachers do in class and I think we really just kind of want to demystify it. Mm, absolutely and I think linking to that um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that notebook moment that you just touched on my next question is how important is emergent language and I'm gathering from what you say uh, quite important. 
Yeah, absolutely. What Richard said firstly about these notebook moments, we see it as being very important to learners because it's helping them say what they really want to say at that particular moment, rather than them saying what the teacher wants them to say or them sort of performing language to show that they've understood something. It's much more about the the learner the learner wants and needs an interest. So they very often kind of get their notebook out and, oh, yes, that, that's 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 a great word. I'm glad I learned that. There, there's theory behind it too. That The idea is when a learner is aware of a gap in their performance, they, they can't express something or they don't know the meaning of a word, that they're really sensitized to the input. So when the teacher then takes that opportunity to teach that word, they're much more ready to receive it. Do you, do you see what I mean? It, it's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whereas day-to-day with target language, are they actually ready for what you're teaching? Is it is it going in? Um, so it's kind of, you're sort of respecting what the learners want in a way, what the learners are ready for. Um, they can then leave class and use that language to express real messages, the messages they want to to share. Uh, kind of thing so there's a lot behind it and and that's why we talk in the book about you know trying to really uh, exploit emergent language opportunities when they happen because a learner doesn't know what to say the teacher helps them say it they're kind of primed to receive the learning Um, Mm. whereas if we talk the same thing a week later they may not be kind of open to it ready for it that sort of thing absolutely so it, it matches where their communication needs are right in this moment yeah. because they are driven to have that language. And so it, it kind of, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a given really that if, if, you know, if the learner wants to know it or, you know, it's important to them in the moment, you know, it, there's a, ch- a good chance of it being more memorable to them, you know, uh, as opposed to maybe our language focus of the day, the second conditional or something, which is, mm. you know, maybe something that they're, that they're not, you know, uh, ready for in that moment yeah, or interested absolutely. in you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so now on to uh, your actual book. Obviously, we've already touched upon some of the ideas in the book, uh, but could you just to start with give me a small oversight, uh, a little blurb of the ideas that will be covered in the book? Mm, well, the, the book's divided into into um, three parts. So I'll start with the first part, Danny. Does that sound good? Um, so the first part of the book is really looking at what is emergent language and, uh, you know, looking at why we should work with it. Why is it important to work with? So we look at kind of some of the, the theories about learning in general and some of the theories of additional language uh, learning as well in development. Um, and then we get we look at some some uh, research that uh, Danny and Nick Andon did on uh, the types of intervention that teachers make um, when they're when they're interacting in class with the learners. So um, we start to break down the the choices that the teacher has in terms of beginning working with emergent language as well. And we, we take a good look at that with lots of examples. Um, following that, we have um, a chapter that looks on looks at um, where emergent language can come in the lesson and how it might emerge. And then we, we break down a, a lesson and look at different techniques that the teacher can use in order to actually work with the language, for example, on the whiteboard or on a Google Doc if it's an online classroom. So it's very practical. We take, we take the theory 
and we match it to the practice in the first part of the book. Um, but obviously there's, there's lots of teachers complain that emergent language is difficult to work with because it's you're relying on improvisation um, and dealing with things on the spot, which can be tricky and frightening. So the second part of the book is um, a response to lots of the teachers that we've worked with uh, on training courses and in the staff room who find emergent language difficult to work with. So um, we, um, uh, we have a series of activities uh, that start with uh, awareness raising activities, uh, activities that get teachers to um, reflect on their practice, to create, get evidence from their practice, to examine it. Um, and uh, alongside these activities as well, we have um, commentaries that talk about experiences that teachers have had that have tried the different activities out in the book. Uh, and then finally, the third part of the book is looking at how emergent language uh, works in different contexts uh, around the world. Fantastic. So there's there's a lot in there, a lot packed in covering sort of the whole journey from arriving at I want to work with emergent language in a better way to actually putting that into practice, developing your skills. Sounds fantastic. So my next question, I'll throw this one to you, Danny. Um, is so emergent language is a theme that many teachers and teacher trainers are clearly interested we know it's the theme of this year's um future of training conference at ih london uh so what is your book hoping to uh add to this conversation of emergent language what is your book hoping to provide for teachers that they don't have already in this um, I, I think it's going to give a deeper understanding of, of exactly what teachers can do because it, we get asked so often, you know, how do I deal with this thing and, and when do I deal with this thing? So I think we're kind of, we're adding to the conversation, I guess, by answering the key questions that students have. Um, so Richard talked about um, the, the first chapter of the book in a way, what we're doing is answering a set of questions. So why work with emergent language? Um, how do you work with emergent language? What is emergent language? Um, the second part, I suppose, that fits in with the conference a little bit more is that through the tasks and, and activities that Richard talked about, you're kind of changing the teacher. The teacher's trying new things, monitoring their teaching, getting data on their teaching, reflecting on their practice. And so a kind of new skills, new techniques, new beliefs, perhaps, um, new kind of identities will emerge from this. Because I think me and Richard didn't, we talk about this, we don't really know when we became emergent language teachers. And and so we we just kind of have this belief that it came from experience practice and experience and so as well as adding to the conversation what we we think we're doing is speeding up this process mm -hmm. um, now a teacher can do what we wanted to do 14 15 years ago but now there's somebody who can say well why don't you try it this way mm -hmm. or try this activity this will help you um the guide that you. you wish you had yeah so yes yeah i mean I sort of wish we had it, but it happened anyway. Mm -hmm. 
So I think, and that's what a lot of teachers say to us, oh, that's just something you get good at with experience. Mm. But yeah, someone to kind of make it happen quicker. Yeah, absolutely. If that makes any sense. So it doesn't yeah. need to be decades. It can shorten down that journey. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. But even, I think it's also, the. I think the book will show every teacher that they are doing this, that they because it, there's many different ways of doing it. So I think teachers will read it and think, well, I, I do do that then. Um, so I think we're kind of adding to this, uh, what, what we hope is emerging from it is more confident teachers, teachers who are more aware of their options, um, teachers who are more aware of why they would do it, but also because of chapter three that Richard described, teachers who are more aware of what it means in their context. Right. You know, so a teacher who teaches exam classes, if, you know, some people might say, well, you don't deal with emergent language because you're trying to make them pass exams. And it's like, well, yes, we an exam teacher who, because uh, chapter three takes stories from teachers who work in those contexts, they'll say, well, actually, this is how I work with emergent language. So other people who teach exams can think, ah, oh, right, that's what it means to me. Okay, and so that's what we think is emerging that a kind of um, teachers' teachers' identities and beliefs about it hopefully being changed along with the techniques and practices they use. Fantastic, brilliant, and something you said there tied uh, quite nicely into my next question, saying how it took a long time for you both to realise that you were teaching. Uh, you know, focusing on emergent language, that that was something that interested you both. So my next question is, what inspired you to actually write this book? And there may be some overlap between some of the bits you just said there, Danny, but perhaps not. So I'm curious, and we'll start with Richard, what inspired you guys to sit down and go, we want to write this? Well, I think, you know, we'd both been looking into it for a while from different angles. Danny had been researching the classroom interaction and how emergent languages. Uh, situated within classroom interaction and I've been looking at teacher development and how to raise teachers awareness and give them practice at working with emergent language getting them to research their, their own teaching and uh, take an evidence-based approach to to their development um, so we talked about you know putting something together uh, and we wrote a couple of articles for Pavilion uh, Danny's on on the classroom interaction element and the nature of emergent language and mine on uh, emergent language and uh, teacher development um, and then afterwards during lockdown uh, we were a little bit bored and, and Danny uh, <laughs> Danny put together a proposal I'll let you describe what happened next Danny yeah so it's a we, we had had the conversation but it was so it was this weird I think I've used this line before I don't think it was as simple as this but it was like oh I've got some data you've got some tasks let's <laughs> let's make a book um, but yeah, it it was yeah, sort of sat in lockdown kind of thinking, you know, I was te we were both teaching as well, so that was quite nice, but also observing teachers as well. So we were we were kind of getting all this incoming data and it was like, well, yeah, let's put a proposal in. So I I wrote it and then I sent to sent it to Rich and said, "Should we do this?" And and we just did. So yeah, it was it's having time to write a proposal, really. Um so we have lockdown to thank. Yes, yeah, kind of. So we well, we had been talking about it, but yeah, lockdown gave us the time. But in a way, that was quite ironic because we were both really, really busy. Um, 
but you know it was just <laughs> busy on laptops it just carried on being busy on the laptop but I think it was also something we really thought we should write because mm. I thought the data I'd collected about classroom interaction was really really interesting and and I was actually thinking of doing a PhD on it but that's what lockdown put paid to really is is just the ability to do that and Richard had all these interesting training materials and and he was making people were changing he was getting he, he was affecting change in his teachers so we thought this is worth doing actually for for teachers I think and trainers absolutely would you add yeah that sounds about right Rich absolutely and I think you know yeah definitely um, I think I, you know, I learned so much when I was writing my dissertation about, you know, looking at Danny's research as well, and it, it all kind, of, they all kind of fed in together. And I think a real strength in the book is that we, with the activities I've, I've been trying out, Danny also did a, a similar thing, and we gathered um, a lot of data from people who tried out the activities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a real, a real strength in the book is that, you know, the proofs in the pudding. Here's the activity. Do what you like with it. Here are some variations, but here's what what some somebody discovered by using this task. So what we'd encourage people to do is to try the activity and then read the commentary mm-hmm. and then reflect to see if there are any similarities between what they discovered and, and what uh, other people discovered. Yeah. And some of those teachers are within the first four weeks of their careers having a go and, and seeing what they can do. And it's, it's you know, it, that, that's another thing we can say to people, well, look, this, this, is, this is what happens when you have a go. And... and mm. uh, and at the moment, I mean, my talk at the, the Future Training Conference is uh, I'm, I'm presenting with uh, two colleagues who uh, one's had seven years of experience, one's got uh, nearly 20 years experience. Um, but they worked with some of the newer teachers that have come off CELTA courses and used some of the reflection uh, tasks uh, that focus on things that happened in class, what we call critical incidents. And it was really, I'm, I'm just putting the talk together. And it's just so interesting. Uh, to hear what these teachers who've, who've not, you know, recently qualified in the last year or so on CELTA courses who are teaching at IH um, have experienced regarding emergent language in class. And it's certainly an area uh, that they found interesting exploring. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it sounds like an interesting talk. I'm going to be at the conference on uh, Saturday. Oh, cool. and I'm looking forward to hearing it. Yeah. Great. Um, so can you talk, you've already talked about the process of, um, the research and the tasks you already have prepared and it sounds like this is something that has been going on for a very very long time uh, and not necessarily with the book as the final goal from the moment it started Um, but I wanted to know a little bit more about the process of writing the book the research development refinement of ideas how that was was it something that uh, was specifically for the book or was it something that you already, by the time it came to writing the book, you actually already had so much stuff there? It was just a case of putting it together. We had a lot ready to go. Um, the, so the whole thing, there's the sort of an emergence theme running through everything we've done all the time from our beginning to work with emergent language to the book. So we had things ready to go. So I had all my data about how teachers how, how experienced teachers worked with inter, uh, emergent language and how they interacted with students. And Richard had quite a lot of tasks. And obviously we knew we'd have to write about what is emergent language and, and why should you work with it. All that was already pre-planned. But as we wrote the book, loads of stuff emerged. 
and loads of tasks emerged, didn't they, Richard? It was like kind of, oh, okay, mm. well, if that's important, we need a task for that. So the, 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 the size of the book grew quite a lot. We started off with a, a fairly, um, I wouldn't call it a small word count, but the word count grew and grew, didn't it? It's, it's just like, oh, mm. hold on, that's important as well. So we, we could have written a book in half the time, I think, with what we already had, but it would have ended up missing some stuff. So the proposal wasn't, didn't look exactly like the book that came about and actually the more we talked to teachers about what they were doing and 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 we did tasks we found that there was much much more to write about much more to write about okay that's interesting once you started going down that rabbit hole you just unearthed a whole a whole lot more to discuss it made us wonder about sort of halfway through we we did remember saying to each other oh maybe this is why no one's written a book about this before because where do you stop (laughs) and you know there's stuff we decided not to do wasn't there Richard we we took a whole section about reflection it's a big section on reflection but it's probably half the size of what it was originally um I mean I think we did it pretty quickly Mm, actually um and and a lot of it came together very quickly um we, we both kind of took responsibility for different bits where our 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 kind of research had been before um and then we swapped over and then we worked together and and there were some really nice we had some lovely uh moments where we we met together on zoom and i would spend a saturday afternoon you know for about three hours and end with a beer at the end uh, (laughs) writing together writing certain sections together so it it's 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 really um i think looking at it going back because i've been researching the talk and going back and looking at sections um, it's, 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 it really is a tapestry of, of, of all of our, our ideas and our words. And then once, in terms of the process, then um, Kirsten at Pavilion uh, provided us with the, the editor um, in the sort of, I probably, I guess, the last third of the timeline. Um, her name was uh, Penny Hands, and, and she was excellent because me and Richard working mm. together a lot is, is she would then say, I don't know if people will get what you two are sort of probably quite excitedly going on about. It's like, oh, you know, that, that you may be going a bit far with this. And she was really able to to take us out of the sort of conversation between each other and make some sections much more as if we're having a conversation with a teacher who's fairly new to it. So it, it's great that then someone comes in and kind of alters your voice a little bit and... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think she said I think my favorite quote of hers right at the beginning was like yeah because sometimes teacher trainers get really fascinated by things that not everybody yes. else is fascinated yeah. in yeah. Um, and I think there was you know we we'd gone very deep on it so yeah I think it was she was it was a great experience yeah, working yeah. with Penny she was um yeah, fantastic it was really useful to be able to see it from another angle and really good questions that really got us thinking yeah. I think and very supportive mm-hmm. as well she got very excited about yeah. the project which was Oh, which was ex- exciting for us yeah. as well I guess. exactly yeah exactly what you want yeah well yeah the first reader liked it <laughs> it's, hopefully bodes yeah. well yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh no well that's brilliant and that's uh very similar actually to my next question on what did you yourselves learn discover expand upon through writing the book and that could be about emergent language, about yourselves as teacher trainers, 
any learning you had through this process, through being edited, through working together, all of that. Was there anything that you uh, that you learned? So, um, Richard, I'll start with you for this one. God, I'd never do it again. No, I'm joking. Um, the, uh, I, I think for me, you know, it's a bit like that thing of like, you know, when, when teachers are new and, you, you know, they, they're very uncom- not very confident with the, with the language that they're going to teach. But as soon as they teach it, they actually learn more about the language by teaching it. And I think for me, it was a bit like that with certain sections of the book by having to articulate um, what we meant and how, what we understood by emergent language and, and where the grey areas were. We had lots of very interesting discussions about that. I think it, it, it really kind of solidified uh, for me quite a few things. And, you know, looking at reflective practice, which is, you know, an area of interest of mine professionally, um, I think, you know, sitting down and writing about it and, you know, do, doing a good bit of reading on it and pulling the reading together and trying to put that into a simple, um, motivating way uh, for teachers to to look at and understand and then use for their own development uh, was definitely a big learning curve for me. Fantastic. And uh, Danny, what about you? Any big learning curves for you as well? Uh, big learning curves were finding out sort of how teachers in different contexts worked. I think, uh, for example, I, I did quite a lot of close work during the whole process with a guy called um, Richard Gallant, who works in ESOL. So he works with refugees and asylum seekers very often at low levels and kind of um, looking at his teaching and and looking at transcripts of his teaching and how rich an emergent language was. It was kind of, he's at the sort of extreme version of working with emergent language. It's all emergent language. And it's just, I loved watching that kind of teaching and it made me think, wow, I I want to do this. This is is the best kind of teaching. And I've always really liked working with lower levels. And I think, ah, well, that's, I guess that's why lower level teaching excites me because it's all about uh, emergence. So I, I think it was just seeing how other teachers worked and being really inspired by other teachers and the things they did. Um, I think the other thing I, I really learned is how the sort of the, the story of emergent language, the history of emergent language is really murky. It's really unclear. It's not, Someone didn't say like in the 70s, when all the exciting things were happening in in kind of English communicative language teaching, oh, emergent language. This is what it is. This is what this is what it looks like. It's kind of people are saying, oh, emergence. It's like starlings and murmurations. It's kind of foot, uh, emergent language. It's like watching a game of football. It's well, not that's emergence, not emergent language. No one actually was saying here it is. And so we were just. Mm. It was like going down rabbit holes, wasn't it, Richard? It's it's kind of, and it, so, so who said it who first? Said I remember it first. I, I eventually, you know, I, I met on Messenger. I messaged Scott Thornbury and said, "Scott, really sorry to bother you, but did you come up with this?" And he said, "I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure yeah. I did." And he said, "I'd have to go back and look at the very beginning of the dogma conversations. There was a dogma uh, group on Yahoo mm. years ago that actually I think I, I joined at the end of it. It's its era. Um, so we, you know, it was kind of trying to find out." And, and, you know, it's this kind of ubiquitous term that lots of us emerging or emer- is it yeah, emerging yeah, yeah. language or emergent language. And we, we settled on emerging because most people use that one. But actually, you know, it, it, it's something that's, that is that is active. It's emerging. Yeah. Um, it's happening. And and I think, you know, it was interesting exploring that uh, and, and then just realizing what do we mean mm-hmm. by emergent language and then packaging it in, in a way that 
we see it because emergence can be seen uh, in, from lots from quite a few different perspectives. Um, and uh, I think what we you know what we were, want to be very clear about is that we're talking about something that fits inside yeah, classroom yeah, interaction. Yeah. Um, you know, because other writers, you know, writer we've been influenced uh, by his work greatly is Steve Walsh and his work on classroom mm-hmm. interactional mm-hmm. competence. And he often talks about repairs and extensions, this kind of thing. Um, but we wanted to delve a bit deeper into actually what the teacher's doing. And that's what Danny's initial research did. Um, so I think it's quite exciting to think about, um, you know, how we're viewing emergent language now so that so that we, we're providing some parameters within which uh, teachers can explore what they do in class. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I was just about to say, defining those parameters must have been quite difficult with all those different uh, options, different histories, definitions. Must have been mm. a difficult thing to do. Or was it something that because of both of your research, you were just like, nope, this is what we viewed it as? Or was it quite tricky to actually figure out where you wanted to draw those lines of what it meant in this context? I, I think because... I mean, Danny and I have worked together for a lot for, for the last 12 years. And, and I think very much in the IH staff room where we run lots of CELTA courses and Delta courses, we get the opportunity to talk to each other. So I think there's kind of a lot of shared mm-hmm. knowledge uh, in the staff room, unspoken, maybe unarticulated shared knowledge about what we think um, emergent language is. So I think we were very much singing from the same uh, song sheet. I don't think there were, there were many times when we when we disagree. I don't think, I think we did no, disagree about no. what we thought language was yeah uh, yeah i think we knew what we wanted to say it was but then spent a long time actually having the sort of the paragraph that says exactly what we wanted to say um mm-hmm. and actually it turned it out to be a set of bullet points rather than a description uh, and a, a set of bullet points of what it's not as well so um we were kind of it, it was like refining what we both understood um whilst also sort of trying to understand the history of it um but yeah it was trying to find the 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 the, the group the guru who 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 coined the term but there yeah i mean it seems like what what started that the whole dogma movement off is is um a writer called uh, leo van leer who died uh, a few years ago um and he was really quite visionary and he talks in his book uh, one of his books he talks a lot about emergence and the idea of of, of ecology uh, so, a very, you know, very organic approach to linguistics, educational linguistics. And, and within that, uh, a very organic uh, approach to language itself. So I think from there, we get this idea of, you know, uh, organic language uh, arising in class due to student need as, as, as emergent language. Mm-hmm. So I think there's probably a, a, a certain, certainly a link that we can see there. And in Scott Thornby and Luke Medding's book, very good book uh, from 2012, yeah, I, think I think it so. is. Um, or maybe earlier, um, it could be earlier, um, it, their book on dogme and teaching unplugged, um, uh, they, they mentioned quite a few times uh, the ideas that they took from from Van Leer's work. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that definitely fed through into ours, the idea that, you know, a learning opportunity can arise. And like in nature, it's an affordance. It's a moment uh, that can be exploited where, where learning can happen. So at the conference, at the conference to have... Luke doing the closing um, plenary and, and Scott Thornbury doing the opening one and and then in the middle having someone like Jane Willis and task-based learning which you know is is an approach that is so emergent language rich we've kind of got some of the stars of, of, of kind of emergent language 
through the con uh, through the conference. So our, our a lot of our inspirations are there, which is fantastic. Mm. So it's, it's, it's a real honour to be be, be uh, talking alongside mm. them and and uh, as well. And you might be able to get to the bottom of the mystery of uh, who coined the phrase. You can trap <laughs> well, them all in a room. Who yeah. said it? First? I think Scott's, Scott's going to be in Spain, but, yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> but if Scott doesn't know, I did ask. I, I did ask Luke after a few beers once, and like, he was like, "So you'd have to ask Scott." <laughs> <laughs> I'll just throw it back and forth forever. Um, so my next question uh, pertains to the audience of the book. Who are you actually recommending the? reads the book um what sorts of teachers or people at what stage of their career what skills would a person be looking for who do you recommend picks this up this is going to sound like lazy marketing but it really is for all teachers um because you can dip in and out of the tasks so chapter two part two of the book um the tasks can be for any stage of a teaching career. So we've got tasks that are really suitable for someone very, very new to teaching. But I think the other thing is it's because teachers who are experienced are often new to emergent language. So you can be teaching for five years before you have a go. So I think it really, any stage of a teaching career, because it could be someone who thinks, right, I want to find out how to work with emergent language, to a teacher thinking, I want to find out how I work with emergent language and what other techniques can I incorporate into my current practices. Um, But every task um, in part two comes with, well, I don't think every single one does, but most of them do come with a suggestion for how a teacher trainer, teacher developer might use the task in their own contexts. So it could be, so it might be a task that teachers use, then it's like, okay, as a trainer, how would you take this task into an inset session? We, we kind of suggest how they set it up so that the teachers they work with can do the task together. Um, so really, we think it is for every teacher, which is you know not always the case, but we think it genuinely is for this book. Because um, also they're, they're in the theory, the, the theory part of the book as well, you know, it's just interesting to find out what other teachers are doing and it it answers questions we are constantly asked about why when how i i think it is a very um a very usable book for many many types of teacher and just to add to that i mean i totally agree with what danny said um that's our aim but it's not just for english yeah. language teachers it's for any language teacher and actually you know a lot of the tasks would be applicable for teachers who teach slightly mm-hmm. other things as well some of the examples in the book come from, I think we've got examples from a German teacher and an Italian teacher, mm. is that right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Um, and some of the examples we, we've used are, uh, you know, for, for teachers teaching different contexts. Yeah. So it's, you know, there's a kind of, we wanted to, it's a shame we didn't have the space and time really to explore the kind of multi, multilingual um element a little bit more but it certainly it would be useful for teachers who teach language yeah Mm -hmm. definitely yeah absolutely it's just completely transferable um so my final question for you both is outside of reading your book uh what would you recommend teachers who are looking to explore working with emerging language more in their classroom do to develop their skills further 
well, if you're if you've got a teacher with a little bit of experience, come and do a Delta at International mm-hmm. House London, obviously, because it, it, it will be something. You know, it's one of the criteria on Delta um, uh, as well. So you know, we certainly recommend you coming to do that. Uh, many of us on uh, on our CELTA courses include work on uh, introduct- introductory work to working with emergent language. Um, but I think, you know, the key thing to do is really, um, you know, record little bits of your lessons, ask your students what they find mm-hmm. useful in the lesson. I think they'd be good, you know, they're, they're very good places to start in terms of working out um, what you actually do in the classroom. Yeah, I, th- I think Rich is absolutely right in that, any kind of recording or, or even just listening, listening for what's happening in your classroom. If you can, for, for teachers, it's very often about the noise in our heads. We're, we're kind of thinking about the plan. We're thinking about instructions. We're thinking about timing. It's about sort of turning off the voice, talking about those things and just thinking, I'm going to listen to what the students are saying. I think this is this is very important. So recording yourself is a great way so excuse me a great way to do that but I think it's also important to talk to other people so you know a teacher who's working in a school get together with some other teachers and and say okay are we how do we do with this you know because I think if you try and do it by yourself you'll probably miss things or you'll lose impetus or you'll get stuck whereas if three or four of you got together and thought right how are we gonna you know create more space for emergent language in our classes all working in the same context, all those shared ideas, you'll you'll find a way. So I think collaborating is um, is really important. So collaborate and listen, as uh, Rich. In the words of, of Vanilla Ice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, that's all of my questions. So the only question that remains is: Do we know when the book will be available yet? Uh, last word is end of November, possibly early December. So uh, hopefully that will be the release date and we're really looking forward to see it. So it's a Christmas present now. It's it's in that it's in that realm now. Yeah, exactly. Yes. yes. Um, uh, so anyone who wants some development, we recommend this as a, as a, as a rather important stocking filler. Um, yeah. Also, we, we, uh, we've got a QR code for, for discounts as well for the book. You, you yeah. can pre-order yeah. from Pavilion Publishers. Fantastic. Amazing. Well, thank you both so much for your time. It's been really, really interesting. Can't wait to see the book and see your talks at the conference as well on Saturday. Fantastic. Thank you so much.